0: Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an IT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice, which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in. And I hope you absolutely enjoy Michelle Moyer is our guest on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Cathy. So lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we've known each other ages and for ages and ages we haven't spoken um, other than catching up on Facebook, which we both agree counts, particularly when you're in Melbourne and you've had the last <laughs> couple of years that we've had every single cocktail and yummy plate of food counts. Definitely. So, Occupational therapist, based in Melbourne, and you are what I describe as a solopreneur. Ah, 100%, absolutely, yes, I am. So, you've been in private practice a, a long time, but a little time, because you've done, you did some contracting with us when we had um, our practice as well. So, talk us through, talk us through mm. this private practice adventure, because you've, you've been dabbling years, 10 years, 15 years. Do you years. know what? I really, I actually haven't.
1: <laughs> so I went back to uni um, when my kids all went to school. So went mm. back to study, to be a speech pathologist. Kathy oh, I Lolle. didn't know that. Yes. And uh, I did this, I didn't get in. And I did this uniform Bachelor of Health Science degree. Yeah. And at the end of the year, you get to transfer if you do well enough. And um, speech pathology was where I wanted to go. But I had to come up with two other preferences. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And the day before this damn form was due, I was in the ED department at Alfred Hospital with my mum, who was in and out of hospital. And um, this beautiful girl was um, helping my mum. And she was so divine. I just said to her, what do you do? And she said, I'm an occupational therapist. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and so she talked me through what it was. So I ticked the little box on my form and went, I, I, ah, yeah, that will be my second not preference. not know that
0: story. And, but it I turned believe, out to be your first. I believe. Um, I wanted to
1: do paediatrics and oh, I couldn't imagine being anything else now. So graduated about 10 years ago and actually when I came and did a little, a little stint for you, mm-hmm. um, I was a new grad. I was yeah, actually nice. in New Grad, yeah. And then from then I thought, oh, what am I doing in private practice? <laughs> and I went and I've done 10 years of community health and mm. ECIS and mm. lots of other things and took the plunge uh in the midst of COVID yeah. to go private practice on my
0: own, Yeah. So let's touch on all of these opportunities. You've had a lot of different roles. Huge. Yeah, Like huge. you were always just changing job and it didn't particularly alarm me at all. I, it's just a point <laughs> it of curiosity. It alarms most people. <laughs> why? What's Why have you wanted so much variety, clinical variety? just have a
1: thirst for knowledge and I wanted to learn so much. And I think because I started, you know, thought I needed to do all this catch-up um, and look I'm not gonna lie I get bored easily so I took a lot of maternity contracts and they were one year and I was always doing two or three jobs at a time mm. and just had a really broad um, taste of lots mm. of different areas I loved it. Uh, Everyone thought I was crazy. People still think I'm crazy because I'm still doing it. Uh, Even in my own private practice, I'm still dabbling in other things. I don't think I've worked out what I want to be when I grow up yet. (laughs) I'm still working it out.
0: Yeah, but that's as much a process of figuring out what you don't want to do.
1: It really is.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I knew I didn't want to sit in a clinic five days a week. Mm. Uh, so as much as I have my private practice probably there one day a week uh, and I'm doing lots of other things during the week as well for myself um, Mm. for my own business but um, I'm not one that can just stay in the one spot so I like to just have heaps of variety in my week it just keeps me keeps it fresh keeps me going
0: Yeah. yeah yeah so pandemic kind of came along and Michelle thought hmm Let's start <laughs> a time, business. The timing was so crack. Can't tell you, well, you would have done um, it
1: anyways. I've been thinking about it for quite a while. I did have a school contract, so mm. I did have a school contract on the side. A beautiful school that I still have, which is amazing, and that definitely set me on my way. Um, I was working part time as a team leader, launching the new school readiness funding program in regional in regional Victoria. <laughs> when the pandemic hit. So it was such a challenging job hiring a team. You know, I couldn't get out to any of my clients. It was, it was oh, so challenging. Got through it. Um, but I had my business on the side. And I don't I don't know what happened. I just stumbled across a clinic. Um kicked
0: another box. That's what you did.
1: I just stumbled across <laughs> that it was it was really affordable and it was around the corner from the school that I had a contract at. And I thought, well, this makes sense mm. because I had clients at that school saying, can you see the sibling? And I went, oh, actually, no, I can't. Mm. And I wasn't keen to go into people's homes. That's just me. I've never um, really enjoyed that aspect of it. So my community visits are very much kinder and school and then clinic. Um, so I just took the plunge. I took the plunge, but I kept my job, kept my security, and did the two things for about three months, and then went, all right, let's do this. yeah, and I, that's really why I'm here today i just I just want people to, if they're thinking about it, you know, take the plunge is my um is my message of wisdom, and I know I remember talking to you actually before I did that, and mm. <laughs> I'll never forget your words business plan <laughs> you don't have a vision you don't. you know like you just put some things out there for me to think about and I'm like oh my gosh no I don't have any of those things um but you know still went ahead and did it so and lived to tell the tale
0: mm. but learned along the way. <laughs> tell us about some of those learnings first 12 months oh, in business can, uh, can be steep <laughs> throw in a pandemic and you've I'm sure you don't mind me saying you've got teenagers as well, you know?
1: Teenagers, single mum, no backing. I had no financial backing. I had no savings sitting there. I had to make this work. This is, this is, failure the was guy. not an option. Failure was definitely no option. Um, so I just had to make it work. And oh my God, I was so blessed with my network. So it probably took three months to build. And it was solely built through my network of amazing solo practitioner friends um, who had an abundance of clients and went, here, Michelle, have some, um, and then speechy friends and things like that, physio friends who just started referring to them. I just owe so much to those people because they got me started. I haven't looked back. Um, Still don't have a website, Kathy.
0: It's in the process. Yeah, I saw you wrote that down. That's okay. I know. I know. I know an amazing number of businesses that don't have a website, and you know, it's not critical. It might become critical at some point. But three months, you know, start up and running is really, really cool. And I'm glad you said that because sometimes when I speak to people who are in startup mode, they sort of they sort of use things like well we'll just wait for organic growth and we'll take it one day at a time and you know we're we're happy with break even or we expect to run at a loss those things just break my heart because it doesn't have to be like that we've we've coached a ton of startups that are up and running and profitable and busy mm. and happy from the get go it doesn't have mm. to be a wait and see adventure
1: Oh, definitely not. I absolutely worked my butt off, worked my contacts so much. Um, worked the school that I was working at as well, like really honed in on that as well. So just anything I could. Um, but what, gee, when it happened, it went bang. Um, it really did. It, it definitely did. Um, the, Biggest hiccup I had was a year into it, they sold the building on me. <laughs> uh, sure, right? yeah. And I had to find a new home. And that wasn't easy because my rent was dirt cheap. It was ridiculously yeah. dirt cheap. Uh and I made the courageous move to move away from Baronia. Courageous? Stupid. Mm, not sure. Um, and opened in Camberwell. So no contacts there. Um surprisingly my clients followed me I can't believe they did love them to death can't believe they followed me um but vast majority did but it was building again building all those referral networks in a new area um so that's been super challenging but I'm very happy with the space we're in yeah
0: yeah Yeah. describe the space to us
1: oh it's gorgeous I love it so I've seen photos of it yeah it was a physio um clinic before me so it's just one big open space, which I thought, "Oh, that would be nice just to have that mm. whole space to myself. But my business brain did click in and say, not smart, Michelle, because um, you've got opportunities to rent out some rooms and things like that, which is what I was always thinking. Um, so I divided it and still had this beautiful big sensory gym, put in a wall and had another room at the back because I was mm. working with a speech colleague. Um, he was coming in and renting a room for me in Veronia, and I convinced her, please, please, please come with me. And she did, uh, and she moved to Campbellville with me. Um so that was amazing. So it's only two rooms, although I've set it up so I could fit in a third room and get rid of my beautiful big sensory gym, but I don't know that I will do that. Mm-hmm, um, yep. yeah, and it's just I've just gone with a different look and feel. It's I like to call it, it's like a little boutique. Um, allied health business um it's got a beautiful warm feel the clinicians that work out of that space are so amazing very experienced so I am renting out my rooms because I'm barely there and it's become another side of my business which I actually want to grow um because I thought gosh if I had have had a space like this to work from when I was starting out I would have jumped at it mm. so yeah. When I'm thinking about growing my business, I'm actually thinking about that side. Um, just making a beautiful hub, a beautiful allied health home for other allied health practitioners to work from.
0: Yeah. Those in that those environment environmental elements, and particularly as OT to OT chat here, it's super important. The environment you work from just can make or break your day. Doesn't it? hundred yeah. percent. I had rented
1: rooms previously and you know, just dibble-dabbled over over time, you know, a few mm. months here or a few months there, just never enjoyed the space, you know, a little dark dingy room in a chiropractor office, a little mm-hmm. dark dingy room in a, in a doctor's um, practice. They're always too small, no storage, all that sort of thing. So I know what an allied health professional needs. They need space mm. and they need storage and um, I want to, you know, light, you know, I want to walk in and yeah. feel happy to work from there. Um, so that's and that's what I do when I go to work you know every day
0: I'm thinking of a recent chat I had with a recruiter and I asked I asked her what a, what are you know allied health professional candidates what do they want and the first thing she said without hesitation hesitation is a lunchroom, and a and a, and a work environment you know a supportive yeah. lovely physical work environment somewhere to put their hat their bag yeah
1: absolutely yeah somewhere comfy somewhere that feels like home (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Yeah. oh that sounds good that sounds good so tell us a little bit about why you named the business Hop Skip Jump OT do you know I came up with that name I'm just trying to think
1: years ago years ago and I've never used it (laughs) And I just stored it. You know how you store these things in your brain? Mm, Um, mm. I just thought such a big part of what we do is obviously fine and gross motor skills. And um, I think I saw something somewhere say, oh, it's just a hop, skip, and jump. And I went, oh, that's a good name. Yeah. (laughs) So now, and then I just added occupational therapy. Um, But now I'm sort of adding occupational therapy and allied health services because now we're, you know, I'm opening up to having other allied health professionals work under that umbrella,
0: which was really nice. Mm. So touching on those growth plans, you know, you potentially don't have to give away uh, all of your trade secrets. Um, And given that you like to be busy and you like variety, what do you think the business is going to look like in the next couple of years? Oh, good question. I think we're going to outgrow the space I've just created. I thought you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's much- like a hermit crab. You've just got to shed your shell and crawl around and find something bigger and more beautiful.
1: As much as I hate to say that because it was so much time, money and effort actually putting that together. But I loved it and I love the space we've created. Um, but I've had a lot of interest in the rooms and um, it's n- I've now got an allied uh, paediatric speech, paediatric physio, and I'm so excited to have a neuropsychologist coming on board next year, mm. which is amazing. Um, I think it just opens it right up and I think we're we're really we're gonna be nearly at capacity. Um I'm not there a lot. Um, so there is still my beautiful gym, which is, you know, I could probably get another professional in there um a couple of days a week. But I'm I'm thinking I love this idea of creating space. I did really enjoy it. So I'm thinking maybe another hop, skip, jump, OT L point um, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe just a bigger space where I can branch out and offer. More of that service,
0: and with that same sort of model of creating a beautiful work environment and having others come in and work from the rooms rather than employing a gazillion people, I think so. So I've
1: I've doubled with the idea of employing someone. Yeah, I'm really set beautifully too. I've got school contracts. I've got so mm. many clients. I'm nervous um, because do have a friends, colleague friends who have done just that and then hired people and it's just been so difficult for them um Mm. particularly on a smaller scale not a larger scale and it's finding the right people and as you know our current climate oh my gosh we've got new grads being snapped up from uni you know before they've even graduated um there's there's such a huge recruitment drive on it's so hard to get a good therapist and i'm i'm particular (laughs) very particular (laughs) um so i'm just I want to dip my toe in. I'm not saying never and I Mm. could meet someone tomorrow and that could totally change my um, perspective and I think that's probably what would happen if I just met an OT or an OT colleague said, hey, I'd love to come and work with you. Yeah, I I would take it on board. But at the
0: moment, not sure. Ask me in two years. Oh, I can't wait that long. (laughs) I can't wait that long. I don't have that much patience because it can work really well.
1: Can, you I know and I've, work seen really it work. Well. I've, seen, I've seen both sides. I've seen it work amazingly and, I, and then I've seen other people just absolutely struggle and then when that therapist leaves, they've got all these clients that they just couldn't possibly serve it, so it creates a lot of headache. Um, it's finding the right people, isn't it? It's finding the right people and nurturing them and making sure that you've got all of that structure in place so that they stay yeah. you've got a beautiful culture and all that. You know what, in my job, I worked for the NDA, uh NDIS for nearly two to three years. That was my job. Nurturing, mentoring, supervision, mm. training in best practice, all that sort of thing in the early childhood space. So I, I've done it. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's so exhausting. I'm not sure that I want that to be my job. Um but yeah.
0: The other thing, uh that I hear a bit about is um, business owners got a wait list and they got more work than they know what to do with. And, you know, they sort of sometimes think that their first recruit is another allied health professional, in this case, OT. Sometimes when you actually look at it, their first recruit could be, should be, would be some admin support. Right.
1: So I did have this beautiful, beautiful girl. She was my allied health assistant. She did admin. And she also helped me run groups. She did my resources. And she's gone back to Vanilla and had a tree change. Ah, love her to death. She's so hard to replace. So now I just hire casually allied health assistants Mm. to help me run groups because I love groups and the clinic's set up so amazingly for groups. So I do have young, actually, OT students and things coming in helping me run groups. So I feel like one day I'm going to get one of these students and go, you know what?
0: you're You're staying (laughs) you're staying yeah that admin support is makes such a makes such a difference when I rewind right back to the late 90s oh my god that's just a hideous thing to say um I should have got a lot more admin support a lot sooner because it just freed up so much of my time to do other things not even work things just life things
1: (laughs) absolutely and I've made a, a few conscious decisions I was at burnout mode not too long ago actually mm. and I felt it you know when you can't answer your phone <laughs> yep. you know you're not you're not yep. in a good place um, I I had way too many referrals I, I, I couldn't answer them because I couldn't fit them in anywhere mm. and so I you know you sort of take that burden on um, I'm much better now I've set up some systems where you know there's a message on my phone now which says email me and I'm much better at answering an email than I am at picking up a phone. Um, because you can do that really at any time of night. Um, but I was getting too burdened and too bogged down. So I've taken school holidays off. I'm having a refresh. Yay. I'm getting all my admin done, uh, literally as we speak. And next term I'm doing a four day week. Uh mm. and I've let let some other things go when we talk about mm. having too many things on. I've I've let some things go. Um and and realise the need to breathe.
0: Yeah, really important because for the length of time that it takes you to be burning out, you almost need the equivalent amount of time for recovery. I agree. We sort of yeah. expect recovery, you know, we've just had this four-day long weekend and, you know, well, surely that's enough, you know, pick your socks up, surely you've had mm. a couple of ins. you're good to go again. But the recovery piece is longer and more significant than, than that. And I think there's a lot of assumptions that, oh, well, a quiet weekend and I'll be back to my old self and good to go on Monday. I don't know that that's the case.
1: I don't think so. I think you need to really recharge your batteries. Um, I try and give myself at least one week of school holidays off. And in January, I barely work. I, I have a good three to four mm. weeks off and just recharge. Um, I think it's really important.
0: Mm. yeah and you've got teenagers in your house and I had teenagers in my house for a significant amount of the time when I was managing my practice probably the whole lot of the time and they observe they notice they do <laughs> yeah.
1: they do I'm uh I've had two fly the nest
0: oh yes
1: <laughs> yes I've had two fly the nest um one who's bought her own home and is and out full time one who just comes back on weekends, she lives in Geelong, so she's mm. barely here. And then I've got my 18-year-old son and he's pretty chilled. So mm. he hears about my business, poor love, every night. This is what's happened today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if it's one of those days and we're having a toast and cheese sandwich for dinner, he's, he's fine with it. Um, yep. Whereas I couldn't have got away with that when I had the full household mm. of children, there's no way. So I do have less pressure at home. Than what I used to have in the allied health business
2: world it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients if you struggle with this you're not alone pretty much everybody feels this way some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place the to-do list feels like it never ends It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with, at the very least, five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximise your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today.
0: What do you think the kids have picked up from you about running a business?
1: Uh, <laughs> they've all worked in my business at some point yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> running groups or helping. I had, what did I do? I paid my daughter the other week to set up my resources. Sort my folders out, please. Uh talk about mm. admin assistant. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's been really positive for them, actually. Yeah. They've looked at it and seen how much it's grown in such a small amount of time. I think they see it, it all-encompassing. It does, you know, it does involve mm. a lot of my time. Mm. Um, they've all shown a really keen interest and they're very excited for me and they're excited that it's doing well and I think it just, They've all got such a brilliant work work ethic. So, you know, we've done something right somewhere to bring their kids up with such a high work ethic. They're all doing really, really well in their jobs. So that's really nice. Yeah, I take that as a little, a little bit yeah. of a pat here that we've done yep. something right.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. Our experience and my experience was kind of similar. That. Um, the kids worked in the business they understood some elements of the business it was part of our conversation and um Mm. they went on and you know have had their own businesses for several years now in different isn't that amazing oh that's
1: gorgeous my son's actually doing a business course at Deakin (laughs) so he's very business-minded uh and is thinking of that as a career yeah Oh, so that's whether or,
0: yeah, whether or not it's the gene pool plus the fact that they have that sort of associated lived experience, don't know, don't know. But it doesn't have so to good. be a it doesn't have to be a point of tension to be growing a business and growing a family and growing young adults as well. It cannot ama- hang together.
1: Yeah. It's just amazing how well as women we multitask so well. We mm. do it without even thinking. You know, mm. we're we're just incredible at it. Just got to make sure you look after yourself along the way, I think would be the only thing. Yeah. It's easy to get lost.
0: Yeah. How strong is your kind of self-care and your commitment to self-care? It's getting better. Mm. It, do you know I'm just
1: coming off a 3-day detox diet? <laughs> <A> detox. <laughs> I Haven't had coffee all that for stuff. 3 days. It's amazing I could even speak. Well, you're here my and you're breathing fantastic. and
0: you're sounding all right. I oh,
1: know. Fantastic. How's that? So trying to get fit, trying to eat healthy, attempting to do some Pilates and yoga. I'm not I'm not good at either. Mm. Um, I'm brilliant at signing up for these things and then going, oh, I'm so bad that at it. That hurt.
0: <laughs> so
1: bad. My, yeah, um, my
0: $800 gym visit.
1: <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I just do that. <laughs> come and spend $60 and have a free trial for a week. And then literally I'll do one class and go, oh, that's so hard. (laughs) So it's getting better. It's getting better? It's getting better. Doing Mm. lots of catch up with friends, as you've seen on social Mm. media, lots of wineries, Mm. lots of beautiful, beautiful events and things to look forward to. And I think that's a key, isn't it? Just having things to look forward to to get you through sometimes sometimes the grind, nice holidays, things like that.
0: And I think uh, committing to that four-day week speaks to that. It's, I didn't know you were going to say that, but I know so many people that are shifting to the four-day week.
1: I love it. And I say four days. It's not like I'm not going to be doing anything on that Friday. Yeah. But if I wanted to do a winery lunch, I could. Um, but if I had a report I needed to do, I can get it done and not do that on my weekend or at night. I mean, pretty much yeah. when I come home, I switch off. You know, and, my, and I've got better mm. at that. Oh, my gosh. And my weekends, I try not to work now. So it is really hard when it's your baby mm. and you can see emails and things coming through. I used to answer text message and emails in a heartbeat. Now I look at my mm. watch and I go, it's actually after business hours, so I'll get back to them tomorrow. So it's being a real conscious, don't do it, Michelle, because you're setting yourself up.
0: Yeah, yeah, it kind of speaks to the boundaries, doesn't it? And then you've got to yeah. you've got to serve your boundaries. You can't just say I'm not going to work in the evenings. You've got to not work in the evenings, and you need a yeah bit of definitely ability around that. And the quicker you respond, the faster you build dependency and expectation. That so true. Oh, Michelle will be available. I'll just quickly flicker this. It's ten past nine. You know, I've learned
1: the hard way. There's no question. I've made lots of errors in my first twelve months. I was on call for my clients 24-7. It was ridiculous. Mm. Um, I've really pulled it back.
0: Yeah, It's to. not sustainable. You get really sick and then you're no good to yourself, no good to your family, no good to your clients as well. But I think there's many people listening who will recognise that steep vertical learning curve of being all of the things to all of the people all of the time and that, that awareness that just kind of f- often falls into place that, that's not a good thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, it just, you start thinking about it. Oh gosh, don't these people know that it is 8.30 or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night? Don't they realise it's a Saturday or Sunday? But then I look at my own behaviours and yes, I've answered them previously. So of course they're going to You're in, message an email it. or, you know, ring mm-hmm. or, you know. So yeah, I've made a very, very strong line in the sand now where I just don't.
0: And it's really setting yourself up to take a lifestyle approach as well that on that, you know, that Friday or that fifth day is it's on your terms. Yeah. You do as much or as little as you want. And Definitely. Um, I think one of the things that we can take away from the pandemic is how important it is to plan things to look forward to, whether it's getting to the hairdresser in daylight, you know, whether it's <laughs> the wineries, whether it's getting down the beach, it, it we don't have to look forward to the, you know, six-week trip to Europe. We can get excited mm. by that. But there's so many other little and often things that we can look forward to that really support our lifestyles that brighten us up and improve us as business owners as well.
1: It it just makes such a difference. And um, I really value that time now and planning ahead with catching up with friends and things like that, where yeah. I probably never did before. I was a bit more spontaneous. But now I definitely plan ahead, yeah. I think. Now that COVID's finished, you sort of have to plan ahead because everything's booked out. <laughs> so you've got to sort yeah. be a couple of weeks ahead with what you're doing.
0: But I think there was, yeah, you do totally. Oh my gosh! But there was also a phase where it was just too sad to plan ahead because oh. the chances are it there was were no plans. Sideswiped. Yeah, there were no plans for two years.
1: That holiday yep. that went on hold for two and a half years. Planning yeah, yeah, sort absolutely. of equal
0: disappointment for a while. Uh, for a while there, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So good to be out. Quickly touch wood now. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, and so you've kind of got a bit of private practice experience under your belt. Um, post-pandemic's all looking good. I'm going to totally change gears, and I really want your honest thoughts on this. Um, and I guess for context, my question is about the NDIS, Michelle. I knew, so, I knew it was going to be. Did you? I knew.
1: I knew. Oh, yes, I so you
0: my brain about the NDIS. <laughs> well, I'm always really interested because people don't always say what they think about the NDIS, which I just think is fascinating in the first place. So we've got a change of government. We've just heard yesterday that Kurt Fernley is chairperson and that there's new members of the board bringing diversity and phenomenal experience into the board. About time. Yeah. Is that your about, is that your, your response? About
1: time. Yeah, yeah look. They're positive changes. It's going to take a lot, mm. but I'm glad that there are some positive changes being made. Um, I only worked in the uh, ECI units of the NDIS, and uh, gee, it's a tough space. It's a, re- it's a really tough space to work in. So I'm really conscious when people criticise the NDIS, yeah. their planner and their worker, I worked in that space with those people, my God, the duress, the pressure, the KPIs these guys are under. Talk about burnout. That burnout rate is high. So I feel for them and something needs to change on that ground level as well as at head office so that they're nurturing their people because they are not nurturing their people Mm -hmm. and they are losing their people in droves, absolute droves. That's my little little feel. I mean, I still have lots of friends who work in the that space as well. Um, it, it's just very challenging, very yeah. challenging space. Yeah.
0: So if you're going to have a bit of a chat with Kurt over lunch on Friday, maybe down <laughs> at one of the beautiful Red Hill wineries, what um, would you wanna, what would you chat with him about? I'd probably say
1: go and listen to your partners. <laughs> go mm-hmm. and listen to your partners like Brotherhood of St. Lawrence and um Link Community in Victoria. Listen to them because they're on the ground with the families. So they're the mm-hmm. family's voice. Um go out and visit some families as well. That would be amazing. Yeah. And hear their stories because there are some horror stories out there. Um yeah, I'd say just get get, get down to the ground level and see what's happening. And what changes do you need to make? Um, NDIS are full of systems and processes. They're over-systemized. They're over they're too many policies. It's just they trip over each other and there's no consistency mm-hmm. across the board. Um, I I did a very short stint, Kathy, in national office as their national trainer. I, I lasted three months. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't say too much, but all I can say is, uh you couldn't do your left hand couldn't do anything without your right hand knowing and i I just could not could not move i couldn't work in that environment where i had to ask permission for everything it's not how i work (laughs) i Mm. like to just you know go with stuff um there was just so much bureaucracy and so much oh look i'm gonna say crap um Complexity.
0: And, uh, Let's use complexity. Uh, there's <laughs> complexity <laughs> everywhere. So it yeah. makes it sense that their systems are conflict a conflicting and complex.
1: And I think because you've got so many different areas, they don't necessarily talk to one another. Yeah. Um so they could be doing something completely different on the desk next to you, which is an area that you should know what's going on. Um so so there's all that sort of all that sort of thing and, and just the hierarchy as well was never seen anything like it yeah
0: (laughs) you may not again by the sound of I won't be going back no (laughs) so if you get the chance to have lunch with Kurt I would love you to ask him to spend some time with providers with allied health business owners as well Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely
0: yeah, so we know that there are some rogue elements out there. There have been from the get-go. That is no particular big secret, but it's certainly come into the media of late. But there are so many allied health business owners who are so diligent and so detailed and so, and are doing their utmost to understand the price guide and to be compliant and all the rest. But I would love the NDIS to acknowledge that work and that dedication and for the NDA is to kind of step in and and support Allied Health business owners as well. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they even think I'm being a, unreasonable.
1: I, I honestly don't even think they have a thought for that. <laughs> but it would be amazing. It would be <laughs> mm. absolutely amazing. Um I don't I don't know. I don't feel like they see us as allies or as partners in
0: this, you know? What do you um, think they see allied health business owners as? Oh, I think. Oh, should I say? I've got to be careful. It's g-rated. It's g-rated.
1: I've got to. I've got to be careful. I see some yep. businesses as being very money oriented and yep. think that they just want the money, then they mm. don't want the best for their client, which, is, as we all know, is not the case at all. Mm. Um, but I think they look at Allied Health as a business who is um, benefiting from the NDIS. They're not looking at it as a collaborative partnership. Um, so it would be nice for that to
0: turn around. It would yeah. be lovely. I think that would be great too as well. Mm. I was thinking of um, contacting Bill Shorten and inviting him to meet with some of our clients.
1: That would yeah. be really nice. Yeah. I just saw something today, and I'm—I didn't read the whole article just about Bill Shorten possibly um, adding ADHD to. Yes, him. that's now been
0: that's, across my feed as well. I can't yeah. imagine what sort of one-liner slipped his lips for that to headline. That's huge.
1: Mm. <laughs> We've just seen the NDIS double their, um, you know, clients. Um, it's huge.
0: Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Oh, well, so if you're looking for some variety, you could uh, pop your name in the hat to join the board or just go straight Never. to the top, Michelle. Never. No interest. Absolutely no interest.
1: <laughs> None. In fact, do you remember on your um, blog, there was a huge blow-up about the price guide, Yeah. Um, about how that um, allied health rate had not changed in how many years.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, guess what I did? What did you do? I decided it should change. And so I'm not a registered NDI provider and I will never be. Um, So I decided to put my prices across the board up by 10% because my Mm. prices had increased so much over that time. And guess how many complaints I got? Zero. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, zero. No one questioned it no one questioned it it hasn't been an issue at all
0: you've got Um, to get out of your own way sometimes as a business owner so I applaud you for that and I know a bunch of other unregistered allied health business owners who have done the same mm. or who are doing a lot of very fast work to reset the whole service delivery model yeah and it'll be fascinating we'll Yeah, fascinating to see this roll out into the market. Some of it's already started with some of our members. But, you know, it is a price guide. (laughs) Correct. It's a price guide. (laughs) It's a guide.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, no, I very much run my own race. Um, Obviously, having worked in the NDIS, I do know, you know, what it is that they're looking for Mm. when they want, uh, particularly in the ECI space, without a diagnosis. Um, so I'm fortunate enough to be able to relay that to my families, that these are the sort of things we need to talk about. So knowing the right questions yeah. to ask your families yeah. and putting together a report that is very much, um, functional and that yep. it, it just hits the brief of what, what that planner needs so that that planner can then give that to NDIS and they go, oh yeah, this person meets
0: criteria. Um, yeah that old medical model is just so unhelpful in this current disability incredibly. context yeah, yeah. Incredibly. and that's why things don't get passed that's why things aren't working yeah square so peg in a round hole stuff yeah definitely hmm. so crystal ball moment what do you think our light health business is going to look like Just let's just kind of cross Melbourne.
1: Melbourne. I like half across the board. I mean, it's such a growing, growing field Mm. and we just need more people, don't we? I mean, have a look at, you know, the amount of jobs. Like I just still have all the emails that come through from Seek and, you know, LinkedIn and all that sort of thing. And it's bombarding how many jobs are out there. And I know how hard it is for people to recruit because everyone gets so many offers. And it's really hard to keep staff because they are going to jump to the next best thing. Um, So, it's really hard. I, I wonder what is going to happen if we can't recruit more people into this industry because it's growing so rapidly.
0: We're seeing a lot of innovation in that space, though. And back to that kind of comment about the service delivery model, how can you do more with less? Uh, is a really interesting way of thinking about it. How can we kind of change what we do? You know, what is our addiction to -to face-to-face, one-to-one therapy? What's that about? You know, is this something that needs a bit of a nudge? Um, What would that look like? What would that be priced at? How do we achieve more with our clients in in a different sort of model? Mm. Um, How do we make it profitable and interesting and enticing for the business, the team and clients? So I think it's going to drive a fair bit of innovation as well because it's a pretty long wait for the workforce situation to pick up. Like that's going to be years and years. Mm.
1: Um, And when you're looking at at therapists with two-year wait lists and things like that, it's just insane. Um, The community health model work in that scenario where they group their clients mm. and they, they do group intervention for similar, um, you know, similar children, say for language or for OT. Um, so that's certainly a model to look at. And, of course, using um, our AHAs
0: much more um, productively yeah. than
1: what we do. Yeah, yeah I see that, that as
0: a growing, growing workforce. Huge. I think that's a fantastic career opportunity for people. It's really amazing. Good.
1: I did, again, a little stint. Um, I've just been doing some lecturing and things like that as well. And one of the courses I was lecturing at was the Allied Health Assistant course. And it was really mm. lovely to see mature age people coming back into the workforce um, and, and looking for a different career. And this is such an amazing avenue for them. And now the government have actually made that course free. So, you know, anyone can go and do that Allied Health course. And there's so much work so much work it's a
0: great career yep I'm really excited to see that that career progress and it will yeah it'll absolutely skyrocket yeah and it doesn't have to have to replace the allied health professionals work it's an adjunct too absolutely not either definitely
1: yeah yep
0: 100% yeah are you also noticing a whole lot of startups like you're potentially out of startup now maybe but our phone's ringing like so crazy. So many. So <laughs> many.
1: It worries me a little bit because I'm seeing a lot of new grads going straight into private practice. Oh, That's really? Lots. Lots, wow. and lots and lots and lots lots. I have one just across the road from my house, actually, and I've been getting some of their clients after they've been to this particular oh, um, because person, they're young. Yeah. I mean, good yeah. on them. My gosh. Yeah, young yeah, yeah. Opened the clinic, spent a fortune, um, but just don't have the wealth of experience behind them um, because there's no no one else there. It's just a new mm. grad speech and a new grad OT going in together. Um, it does worry me. I feel like there's no way. I only feel comfortable now going into private practice, and that's after 10 years of lots of different varied work. So I think um, it is a little bit of a
0: worry and it's happening mm. a lot. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, look, the last uh, twelve months we've we've seen more and more startups than ever before, mm, and it, mm. it is a little bit seasonal, I must admit. Probably from yeah. about August to November time, um, that's we get interesting. the call. Yeah, we get what, the call. What's August. that about? Well, August I think it's. November. I think I think it's about well, I've sort of done another year as an employee. Um, I want to get ready to go do my own thing after the kids go back to school or after the Christmas break. And so they're sort of hunting around, having a bit of a think about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it and what it's going to look like and kind of managing their fear and excitement and all of those things. And so, um, yeah, start-up season.
1: Yeah, and I guess if you are working somewhere and you know you've got a two-year wait list, you would be thinking to yourself, well, Mm. hang on a minute. There's enough work for all of us and there, there 100% is enough work for everybody. Um, and I think if we work collaboratively, I was so impressed when I first started out to have, you know, to have essentially my competition giving me, referring mm. to me and getting me started. I mean, how divine is that? And I think that that just really epitomises what our industry is. We're a caring industry. We want to help people. Um and it's a little bit like, you know, the rooms that I'm developing. I want to help people who are just starting out, you know, to have a nice space mm-hmm. to work from and not cost an absolute bomb. Um,
0: so Strong yeah. relationships don't just fall out of the sky. They're years of work oh, okay. in the making. And that's potentially a point of difference between early career clinicians starting their own business and others with more lived and professional experience starting their own business. And
1: you want to be confident if you're referring clients on, that you're referring on to someone who is competent in that area as well. I'm a big believer in working in your scope of practice. Mm. My scope of practice is fairly narrow, to be honest with you. It's really zero to eight years. And um, one thing that I have learned is to have a balanced caseload. If you have Mm. a non-balanced caseload, we've got way too many that are just pushing out of your scope of practice you start to tip the wrong way. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm very, very conscious of that now, um, of making sure that I'm mm-hmm. within my scope and that I've got a couple that are, yes, definitely challenging me and that I need to do more PD on and, ref- you know, uh, talk to my colleagues and things like that. Um, but I don't, I can't take on too many of those clients at a time um, yeah. because it stays with you. You're always yep. thinking,
0: yep. how can I yep. help
1: this person? Yeah.
0: And on top of all of that, you've got to learn the business side of things, for want of a better yeah. word. Um, and I, I think people kind of think, well, i got a degree. I'm a great clinician. How hard can it be, the business yeah. side of things? Michelle's laughing. Yeah. It can be really hard. <laughs> and, like, they're not necessarily transferable skills. Like, you got to get that stuff sorted or else it's not fun for anyone. Particularly really- it's not fun for us when you come to us years later and it's a big detangle. <laughs> I really feel for my
1: accountant. I think when he came across me, he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but he was a very patient, lovely man and has really helped me get my numbers mm. and my books under control and really helped with the direction of the business as well. Um, but I think you do you need to have your mentors. You need good people around you. Yeah. I've just got such a brilliant um community I think too of solo practitioners that I can bounce off and I know in COVID oh my gosh are we bouncing off each other because what are we (laughs) going to
0: do yeah Um, yeah yeah. because you know who knows that um, not all of the money in the bank is yours (laughs) Yes,
1: that's been really a hard lesson,
0: hasn't it, Mr. Taxman? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Taxman, yeah, thank you. I'll have—I uh, don't know—I'll have you know, almost half for that as a sole trader. It's an expensive yeah. exercise. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, that has not been the fun. Uh, you know, when you're doing your numbers and you're thinking, "Oh, yeah, this is amazing," and then it's like, "Oh, shivers."
0: where's the money going to come from to pay for that i've spent that somewhere else yeah yeah but it doesn't have to be scary either you know as you say good good advice at the right time good mentors good people to kind of toss things around with um as long as it's trusted and well placed it just makes the difference it just helps that sleep at night factor when you're learning a lot very fast um, in startup mode yeah
1: and I think with your business you're always growing or doing something so you do still need mentoring you need you might need different mentoring as you go along so whether it's you bringing some staff on board or you're expanding or whatever you, you just you do need yeah. someone to help guide you through all of those sorts of things
0: yep couldn't agree more couldn't agree more so early on in our conversation you dropped some words of wisdom can you remember what they were because you can say them again at the end now take the plunge take the said? plunge don't be scared just do it. Just do it. Honestly, you won't
1: you won't regret it. I don't know anyone that has regretted it. Mm. It's amazing to have that freedom to be able to see the people you want to see, to be able to work the hours you want to work. It's so much fun and it's so rewarding. Um, if you're passionate about what you do, you're going to do so well. You really are. Get some help along the way. Kathy's ready at the phone. <laughs> um, definitely get the help, the mentoring and advice mm. along the way because it is really important. It's a lot to consider. But just do it. Well, if I can I... do it, if I can do it, Kathy, in the midst of a pandemic, single mum, no savings, and I just went out there. She can. went there.
0: She did it. Yeah. Well done, you. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing the adventure up so far. I think we'll Such have a to pleasure. kind of. Yeah, get a 2.0 on this in a couple of years, probably sooner. (laughs) That will be fun. That will be fun. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for
1: inviting me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on Naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.